you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning again, Movement Church. You guys are looking fantastic today. You picked the right day to come to church. Uh, You look even better than you did last week, and that's impressive. Do me a favor, turn to someone on your right and left and say he's talking to you. Now, how many of you hate it when a pastor does that? Would you just raise your hand right now? You don't want to raise your hand because you're an introvert. You're like, please stop making me talk to people. But listen, we're excited about today. We are in the middle of a series called Next Steps, and really what this is about is... uh, what we believe is really God's plan and purpose for you, and it kind of encompasses the fullness of who we are as a church. And so we're kind of unpacking this verse by verse, but I want to tell you about a couple things that are coming up that I'm extremely excited about. Um, Every year now, we do what's called a Vision Sunday, and we unpack kind of the big picture plans for what God is doing for or has planned for the movement church, and honestly, this involves you. And so we're doing our Vision Sunday celebration on January 5th, Super Bowl Sunday, which sadly the Cowboys will not be a part of, but I'm still in mourning, so just, you know, pray for me while I preach. If I cry, it's not because of the Holy Spirit, it's because I'm weeping of the loss of the Cowboys, but Super Bowl Sunday, both services, we've got some fun uh, things happening after the service, but it won't take away from what you're doing with your Super Bowl parties, I promise, but you want to hear and see what God's doing because we actually believe that Part of what God wants to do in you is directly attached to what God is doing through the local church. So come and check that out. Super Bowl Sunday, February 5th, both services. So just be here. It's going to be amazing. And then we're excited. Our church is governed by um, three different forms of leadership. And one of those forms of leadership is our board of overseers. And these are the men and women who speak directly into mine and my, my wife's life. Um, hold us accountable, and actually, according to our governance, have the ability to remove us should we uh, start acting inappropriately. It's a great uh, feeling of accountability and brings strength and structure to our church. And one of the couples that serves as our overseers, their names are Philip and Holly Wagner, and they pastor an amazing church in Los Angeles. Uh, Many of our women have been to God Chicks or She Rises conference on a regular basis. It's been amazing. They've been pastoring in Hollywood for a little over 30 years and started from nothing, and now they have an amazing church seeing thousands of people every weekend, and they're going to be with us on February 12th. Pastor Philip, I'm excited about it. That's worth cheering. Pastor Philip's going to be preaching. Thanks to the three of you, the rest of you, we're praying for you. Pastor Philip's going to be preaching on Sunday morning, and then we're going to do a movement night that night, and Pastor Holly's going to be teaching at our movement night. It's going to be amazing. I don't want you to miss it. They're amazing, amazing, authentic leaders, but more importantly, they have just a great message for you specifically. And I hope, I hope you're kind of getting ramped up for that. I hope most of you have been joining us on this 21-day challenge. Every January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we just challenge you, jump in the journey with us. And that, that just looks like this. We want to challenge you to read every day, pray every day, and choose something that's normal in your life and just remove it as you focus your attention on what God wants to do. And if you haven't done that, there are just a few days left. This wraps up next Sunday, and you can join us by texting the word CHALLENGE to the number on the screen, and here's what we've done. We've provided a reading plan every day, and it's not huge. 
So if you read something on your own, you can add this to it. If you've never read the Bible, sometimes, like yesterday, it was just about seven verses, but just so powerful. And then we've provided what we call a prayer path, just a couple things to be praying strategically about every day. And I just want to tell you, man, there's nothing you can do greater if you're here and you're a Christ follower than to lean into what God wants to do. And the best way to do that is by spending time in the Word and in prayer. I'm telling you right now, my father, who passed away a little over a year ago, was an amazing man who went through some crazy seasons. And the one thing that contributed most to his strength and his faith is that every day, every day, he and my mom woke up, got their Bible out, and read and prayed every day. And they had seven stinking kids. That's a lot of kids. Some people said, do you like kids? And they said, no, we just love each other. Seven kids are the result. And so... Every day they got up and they just sought after who God was. They were married for 45 years. And the only reason that changed is because my dad passed away. I just wonder what would happen in your life if you just said for maybe the next seven days of this month, I'm going to focus in and read. You text the word challenge. If you follow us on social media, we'll, we kind of put some stuff up there daily, what, what God's speaking to us and what God's doing, and it'll change your life. Is that cool? Listen, can I just tell you, my, my biggest fear, I'm running out of time rapidly. My message is long today, but it's going to be so good. <laughs> my biggest fear is that we just slip into church and slip out and miss what God wants to do. It's too easy. So let's lean in for another 35 minutes today and just see what God wants to do in our life. Can we do that today? Awesome. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that your plans are for us and your promises are for us. And God, I pray above everything else that you'd help us today to experience the fullness of what it is you want to say. God, that we wouldn't just slip in and slip out and just kind of check out mentally, but God, that you, we, we want to open our hearts to you and our minds to you that we can receive and hear the things that you want to say. And we actually give you permission today to rearrange the furniture of our lives because we don't want to leave here the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen just means I agree. We're in a series called Next Steps, where we're unpacking what the scripture refers to, or really Jewish culture refers to as the four I wills, or the four promises that God has for all mankind. The Bible is full of promises. The Bible is full of God saying, hey, this is for you. But there are four core principles, four core promises that God said, no, this is for all mankind. And we find this from a passage of scripture in the book of Exodus, which is in the Old Testament. It's the second book of the Bible. And what God does is he gives these four promises to a group of people called the Israelites, who at this time were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And he comes in and he says, wait, I've got some promises for you. And so even though this was written to a group of people who were physically in slavery thousands of years ago, these promises still ring true for you and for me today. In the Jewish culture, they celebrate this during the time of Passover. In the Christian culture, we would call that time Easter. And they take a cup of wine for each promise, and they drink the cup, and they recite the promise to remind themselves of what God wants to do in their lives. Now, you and I might not be in physical slavery, but many of us are in slavery to our addictions, or in slavery to our bad habits, 
or in slavery to bitterness and unforgiveness that we're allowing to resonate inside of our hearts. And so God comes along and he says, hey, here are the promises I have. Now, we're in week three, so if you've missed the first two weeks, it's okay. Go back, check out our podcast, and catch up. I promise you're going to want to know, because listen to me, these promises are for you. Whether you're on a faith journey or not, you have a spirit. And if you don't experience the fullness of this, there will always be a longing on the inside. God, what, or what is next for me? Why am I here? And what am I called to do? And these four promises encompass that very question. Look at this passage of scripture. It's found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. If you would like to follow along, you can text the word notes to the number that they'll put on the screen. And if you haven't saved that number, man, get with the program. We use it all the time. So text the word notes. You can also follow along. But check out this verse. Exodus chapter 6 says this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out From under the yoke of the Egyptians. This is the first promise. God's saying, I will bring you out. He was telling the Israelites, I'm going to bring you out from Egypt. I'm going to bring you out of slavery. And that's the promise that God wants and has for you and me. He wants to rescue us from our current condition. To rescue us from the slavery that we walk in. And that's what we call God wanting just to simply know you. And this happens in a moment. You don't have to work towards this. You don't have to get everything right to get to God. No, you get to God and let him work on everything else. This is a moment. We call that salvation. The next scripture says this. I will free you from being slaves to them. So first he says, I will bring you out. And then he comes back and says, I will free you, which sounds confusing. We talked about this last week. He says, first, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. But now that you're out of Egypt... You're still acting like a slave. And i got to get the Egypt out of you. We talked about this last week because God wants freedom for us. And most Christians park right here. If you're here and you're not sure about your faith, it's okay. Permission to belong before you believe. But for those of you who are here say, man, I'm a Christ follower. Most of us park right here. And we know God. We experience a moment of salvation. But we still deal with stuff that makes us feel like we can never change or get better. But God doesn't want that for you. He wants us to find freedom. And then the next promise says this, then I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We're going to talk about this, but that word redeem, it literally means this, to restore you to your original intent. In other words, God wants to bring you out of Egypt, get the Egypt out of you, and then restore you to a place where you're living to the fullest, which brings us to the fourth promise in verse 7. It says this, I will take you as my, as my own people. Every promise was for you individually up until this point, but now he says, I want to bring you into a family, into a group. In the Jewish culture, they would call this the cup of fulfillment, and that is the idea that I have a purpose within a group of people. I'm going to tell you right now, if you've never been a part of a team making a difference, then you haven't lived. And then the scripture goes on, it says this, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And it says then, and I would add, and only then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. It's as if God is saying, when you experience the fullness of these four promises, then you'll know what it means and what it's like to live a life of a Christ follower. But so many people only experience one or a portion of a promise 
And that's why it seems so easy to fall back into an old lifestyle. But we believe God wants these four things for you. We just rephrased it, changed the verbiage a little bit. We believe that God wants you to know him, which is salvation. Not just to know of him, not to know tradition, not to know religion, not to know church membership. But just step one, know God. To know God. Step two, we believe that God's promises for all of us is to find freedom. To get that junk that's inside out. And guys, that takes a lifetime. I don't know about you, but I'm really jacked up. And it takes me a long time to work through my issues. Can I get an amen from some people with issues? I've been saying this every week. All of us have issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that is your issue. Some husband just said amen. Amen. The third promise or step is to discover purpose. We'll talk about this today. Why am I here? That question has been perplexing humanity since the beginning of humanity. And the third, fourth step is to make a difference, to make a difference. Let's dive into this. Let's unpack that third promise. And again, if you weren't here the first two weeks, please go back and grab the podcast because I would hate for you to miss out on some of this. But check this out. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. It says this, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. That word redeem, defined by Webster's, has many definitions. But look at some of these. Number one, one definition is to buy back or to repurchase. To buy back, the word redeem from Webster's Dictionary means to buy back or repurchase. And I love this imagery. See, we were created in God's image. And then in the beginning of man, we chose to do what we wanted rather than what God wanted. And now we've gone our own way. It's as if we've become owned by our own desires. And that leads to dark and crazy and lifeless, miserable existence. But God reaches into that place. It's almost like God goes to a swap meet and he sees us in our current condition at the flea market, if you will, of life and sees this banged up thing and this miserable, dark existence and and Jesus is like, man, how much is that? How much is that one right there? Oh, it's going to cost you everything. Deal, I'll take it. To repurchase us back and that's what Jesus did. Another definition is to change for the better. You see, so many of us set our goals so low, we've experienced the the craziness that life offers or the darkness that our own poor choices lead us to. And so we've just lowered our standards of what we want and now we've defined good as no bad in my life. In other words, Pastor Kerry, listen, I I I want a better life, but I just don't want any bad. And I just want to tell you right now, That you don't want just no bad. You want a better life. And that's God's plan and purpose for us today. Another definition, and this is where we're going to kind of hang out and park at, for the word redeem is repair or restore. Restoration. And I love that word. It's this imagery of maybe an old muscle car found in a junkyard, and somebody goes in and pulls it out and repaints it and restores it and puts the engine back into the the, the condition it was supposed to be maybe even just a little bit better so that this car is just one of the baddest cars you've ever seen and that's kind of what God does he comes in and he gets out of the junkyard and he kind of takes it and he fixes it that's kind of like finding freedom and then it becomes a priceless work of art 
And so you, you hear these words and you see what God wants for us. And so we must ask the question, why is it that so few of us take step three? Why is it so few of us experience the fullness of that promise? A real statistic has shown that 87% of Christians merely stop at the point of knowing God. Just live a life with that stuff on the inside. But God has these things for us, and and we can find the answer in the text that we just read. Look at this. in, In Exodus chapter 6, it says this, I will redeem you, and look at these two things right here. I will redeem you with, number one, an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Why does God need an outstretched arm? Why does he need an outstretched arm? Because when we're found in our state, when we don't know God, we're in a deep place that's far from God. The psalmist said, you reached deep into the mire and you restored my soul. God reaches out, Jesus reaches out into the muck and he pulls us out, but he doesn't see the junk, he sees us. And that's the challenge. Most of us don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. Well, I'm just such a a wretched individual. You even heard Paul talk about that. We talked about that last week. And, well, I'm just a failure and I made so many mistakes and I just can't seem to get past it. And it just seems to be the summarization of who I am. But that's not how God sees us. Even though he found us in that place and Jesus reached down into that darkness and pulled us out, he doesn't see the, summer, the, the, the essence of what we're in. He sees us in a different way. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that we don't take this third step is because of inferiority. We feel nasty or dirty or unworthy. But God doesn't maintain that view of you. The psalmist said in Psalm 18, check this out, he said, you stoop down to make me great. You stoop down to make me great. Not to remind me of my failures. God sees greatness in you that you don't even see in yourself. Listen to me, some of you need that today. God sees greatness in you that you don't even see in yourself. Can I be transparent? You don't have an option, I have the mic. We really try to be authentic here. I'm not a polished, perfect preacher, but I will be very real with you. We tell people all the time, what you see is what you get. If you don't like what you see, you are not going to like what you get. (laughs) We are not perfect. We don't have a perfect marriage. My wife is perfect. I am not. She's not. She's not perfect. (laughs) I get on to my kids, and if I yell at my kids at home, I might yell at them in front of you. Why? Because I don't want my kids to see me yell at them at home, get out of the car, and go, hey, what's up, guys? So we'll be authentic. Can I just tell you that I struggle with this even to this day? Can I tell you the thought that pops into my mind on a daily basis? Almost every time that I walk up to this pulpit, here's the thought. You're not good enough. Every day. Every day. You're not good enough to be a pastor. You're not good enough to be a husband. You're not good enough to lead. You're not good enough to preach. You're not good enough to parent. You're not good enough to fulfill the calling on your life. Why? Because I have a past. And every day I struggle with this. And I think my fear is that so many of us in this room would agree. And so we feel trapped in that second step. There's no way that God could use or work 
through me because we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. But, you know, one of the most famous Bible verses in the world is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know what the next verse says? That Jesus did not come to condemn the world. And maybe we see God through the lens of our past hurts or rejections. But God doesn't see us that way. He didn't come to condemn you or remind you of your past. But he came to give you light. And the Bible says more abundantly. So not just no good, but more abundantly. I've told this story before, so if you've heard it before, just you know, get over it and stop judging me. There's a man who went into a pet store, buy dog food. He went there every month, same thing, every month. There's animals in this pet store. It's a certain kind of food. And over in the corner was a parrot. And this man walked in, and the parrot goes, hey, hey, you, come here. And the man was like a little startled, so he walks over to the parrot. And the parrot's like, hey, come here, lean in. The man leaned in. He said, you are the ugliest man I have ever seen in my entire parrot life. And the man was so angry, and he went up to the owner and was like, did you hear what your parrot just said to me? I can't believe he said I was the ugliest man. And the owner went over and pulled some feathers, slapped the parrot around. Another month passes. The man comes back to get dog food again. And the parrot goes, hey, come here. The man walks over to the parrot. The parrot's like, lean in. He said, you are the ugliest man I've ever seen in the history of my entire parrot life. The man's so angry. He went back to the owner. He did it again. The guy walks over, pulls some feathers out, slaps him around. And the guy leaves. And one month later, he comes back. The parrot goes, hey, you, come here. I don't know why the guy kept going back, but he did. He walked over to the parrot, and he leans in, and he goes, what do you want? He goes, you know. (laughs) And I think that's how we live our life. Some of you didn't even want to come here today because you thought about what happened on Friday night or last month or two nights ago when everybody was asleep and you were on the Internet. And the enemy just kind of leans in and says, you know what you did. You know who you are. But that's not the way that God sees you. Let me tell you how God sees you. Check this out. This is why we do a 21-day challenge to remind ourselves of what God's promises are for us. Check this out. Ephesians 2. This is a book in the New Testament. But if you don't read this, you don't know God's promises for you. So you might see yourself like that, but you're missing out. And I'm try- I done tried to tell you. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. Check this out. This is one of my favorite verses. You should copy this. It's in your notes. If you don't text the notes, and you know, you're not going to get this. Check that out. For we are God's masterpiece. Not accident. Not God's uh uh-oh. Not God's oh no. Not here we go again. You ever felt that way? You're his masterpiece. Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. By the way, this is step four, the fourth promise for you and me. So why don't we take this third step? Inferiority is one reason, but let's look at another one. Look at that verse, Exodus 6 says this, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And then it says this, mighty acts of judgment. And then everybody kind of goes, oh, that's what I thought. Why you judging me? I don't know why I just said that. I apologize. But these acts of judgment aren't for you. This is for the one who hates your soul, the enemy. The one who hates your soul. Listen, 
permission to belong before you believe. But as much as there's a God who created you and loves you, there is an enemy called Satan who is out to destroy your life. And because of that, the enemy has a plan as well. You know what it's called? A diversion. And all of us have experienced a diversion. It's that part of our story that we're like, no, no, there's no way God was part of that one. A diversion is when we made a decision to pursue something other than what God has for us. And it doesn't have to always be a bad thing. Listen, look at me for a minute. Your career can be a diversion. If your career becomes more priority than God's plan for your life, it has become a diversion. Now, I'm not saying go quit your jobs tomorrow. But you know what God wants to do? God wants to close the book of diversion on your life. Because he actually wrote a book of your life and has great plans for you. Check this out. First Thessalonians says this. This is Paul talking. He said, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. You know what that word prevented in the Greek, which the Bible was originally written in the Greek. And that word prevented is pronounced in kopto. And that word literally means to impede one's process by putting something in the way. See, I don't believe that if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus that Satan can even touch you, but he can put things in your path. Distractions. Diversions. And you can probably identify a time or a season or multiple, if you're like me in your life, where a diversion popped up and you were pursuing God's purpose and then you just kind of shifted. Here's the great news. Romans 8, 28. This is my life verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, which means he can take any path. Look at me. He can take any path that you have taken, any path, and turn it around and get you aimed in the direction that he wants for you. Listen, think about it this way. If you were headed to San Diego directly after church today, is it possible to get to San Diego by heading through Phoenix first? The answer is yes. It's just going to take you a lot longer than you need to. There is a road. You can jump on the 10, head down into Tucson, and catch the 8 and come right back on into San Diego. It's just going to take you a little bit longer. Listen to me. God can take any path, any diversion that the enemy has used, and get you where he wants you to go. Look, I love how this says it in Romans 11, 29. This is, I'm not, this isn't my sermon. This is the Bible. Again, I'm just going to throw a shameless plug. You should do the 21-day challenge. I'm I'm just trying to tell you. Romans 11 says this. Check this out. This is great. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled. Never rescinded. Which means it doesn't matter if inferiority has prevented you from discovering purpose. It doesn't matter if you have pursued diversion after diversion, good or bad. God still has a plan. More importantly, he still has a purpose. And it is never going to return void. He will never change his mind about you. God will never change his mind about you. And he will always desire to fulfill his purpose in you. So how do I take step three? How do I do this? How do I even discover purpose? Let me give you two words that I think you're going to have to warm up to. And for whatever reason, 
I don't even think it's just Orange County. I think there's this thing sweeping the nation. that I just want a little bit of God, but not enough for transformation. And so the moment we reach this point where depth is appropriate in my walk of faith, I'm like, let me just go to church, which is simply saying, let me stay a slave and never experience step two. Two words you need to warm up to is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. In order to discover purpose, you'll have to discover the spiritual gift that God created inside of you. I'll explain what that means. Romans 12, 6 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Grace meaning that you can actually accomplish it. That it comes naturally to you. There are things that you can do effortlessly that other people are like, i.e. Jeremy on the guitar. I don't know why he wears a beanie, because he takes it off every Sunday. But maybe that's some mojo that... Our drummer Joel named his snare. It's called the Soul Piercer. I don't know why he named it. But he's good. I can play drums too. It is horrible. My wife has a grace to connect with people. Have you ever talked to my wife? If you haven't, you're missing out. Every time she talks, her smile makes you smile. And then no matter what, you leave feeling like, I can take over the world. Like Pinky in the brain. You know what she doesn't have a grace for? Silence. If you ever get in an elevator with her and there's eight people, she can't handle it. She's like, and she just starts talking to everybody. So now she feels comfortable, but everybody else is freaked out, including me. I'm like, I don't. She just does that. She's, she talks to people. Some of you have grace for Excel spreadsheet. You think in it. You're like, I want to throw up when I see Excel. Some of you have a grace with children. You're like the Pied Piper. The moment you come around, children are like, oh, our good friend Crystal is here. She's like that. Children flock to her. Children don't flock to me. Because I want to duct tape them to chairs when they're rude and angry. And that's why I'm not in the children's ministry. There are men and women across the courtyard right now that literally have a grace for this. That is a spiritual gift. And look at what Paul said in Corinthians. He said this, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit has given you. In other words, go after it, bro. There's things in you that nobody else can do. And it's like Steve Martin from The Jerk, my special purpose. Anybody seen that movie? Three of you, the rest of you, we're praying for your soul. Go after it. Why wouldn't you want to discover this? Why? Why would you want to stay here in step two with slavery when you could step into the fullness of, look at what God has for me. Let me give you a couple ways to do that. We like to be practical around here. Because I would hate for you to come and be inspired, laugh, experience what God has, and then walk out without a tool. So we want practicals for you. So number one, discover your gift. You have to actually discover God's gift for you. In fact, that's what we exist as a movement church to do. We want you to know God. 
But what we feel passionate about, in addition to that, is helping people find and identify what that is. I love to help people come to grips with how God has made you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 12. It says this, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. Doesn't it stand to reason that if before the forming of the foundation of the earth, God had you in mind, before he separated the land with the bodies of water, before he spoke and light came into existence, God had you in mind. That's what the scripture is saying. And doesn't it stand to reason that if God had you in mind, he had something for you to accomplish and therefore created and formed and fashioned you with the tools and the resources you need to accomplish it? I say yes. There's a unique design and a purpose for you. And you have a tool and a skill set and an ability called a spiritual gift that is going to help God accomplish that in you. Listen, here's a great way to say this. Your design reveals your destiny. That's worth writing down. Your design reveals your destiny. Another way to say that is how you are made points to what you are supposed to do. But the key is God. Look at this, Colossians 1 says this, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So you can try to pursue purpose through job, through school, through career, through family, and it might be okay, but it's not going to be the fullness of what God has for you. God wrote the book on your life, and it gave you the ability to accomplish it. So number one, discover your spiritual gift. Number two, develop your gift. Develop your gift. Once you discover it, you've got to do something with it. And listen, it's never perfect when you begin to discover it. In the very beginning, there has to be a development. That's what we do. That's why we exist as a church, is to help you discover and develop the gift inside of you. Look at what Ephesians 4 says. It says this, but to each one of us, here it is again, a grace has been given as Christ appointed it. Ephesians 4.11 says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. What that means, that's people like me, full-time guys called a full-time ministry. God's given us a gift, but not just so that we can do the work of ministry. Check this out. Look, the verse 12 says this, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may build up. So my job, the movement church exists to create a place systematically where you can discover the purpose that God placed on your life. So that you can discover the purpose that God placed in your life. And we have a systematic process for you that's just like that. In fact, we're revealing it today. Ooh, <laughs> It's called our next steps finder. I don't want you to do this yet, but you can text the word next steps to our number. You can do it now, but don't go into the finder yet because I don't want to lose attention yet. Let me tell you what this is going to do. Hey, I told you we're going to be practical, so lean in for a minute. This next steps finder is going to help you find a, uh, or discover a few things on the journey. 
Number one, and I, I'm not ashamed to say this, this isn't a reason that we're preaching today, but number one, I would just challenge you to make the movement home, MTMH. Now, you don't have to make the movement home. That's okay. There's a lot of great churches. We're a part of helping John and Michelle plant a great church. We've got friends from the Inland Empire planting a great church. So it doesn't have to be the movement. But look at me. You need a home to belong to, to pray with, to grow with, to give with, to serve with. You need a home. And don't dabble. Well, this church on this Sunday and this church on Thursday nights because their worship's really good. And this preacher's great. So I'm just going to do this little thing. Stop it. Find a church home and plug in. Find a church home and plug in. You don't have to. But you'll never experience greatness. Because the greatest days of your life are attached to what God's doing through the local church. And listen, you don't have to join the movement church. But we'll never experience greatness. Because you're not a part of it. You tracking with me today? Another thing this finder is going to help you discover is spiritual health. Look, God wrote the book on you, so let's get closer to God. We're going to help you find the right connect group to discover what God wants to do internally to get the Egypt out. Another thing this finder is going to help is self-discovery. We actually believe in about 15 minutes you can do some personality profile tests. You can take a spiritual giftings test, and you'll be so surprised the result comes back. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is exactly me. How did they know? Because brilliant people built the test and it works. I'm not the brilliant people, but somebody else is. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Some of you already know, oh, I know what I'm really, I love spreadsheets. Give me a laptop now. We'll get out of your way. But your design reveals your destiny. And then finally, it's going to help you discover ministry. We call it the dream team. This is where God actually takes your destiny and unfolds it in your life. And you may not get it right the first time. You may say, you know, I feel like the crew is where I want to be a part of what God is doing. And you come and you're like, no, it's not it. I'm better suited for children. Great, doesn't matter. Let's discover your purpose and then unpack that. We're going to really talk about this next week. But regardless, God wants to do that in your life. And we've created a systematic process for you to discover that. Why wouldn't you want to discover your purpose. We want to help you. And then the third thing. There's three ways that we can discover step two. To discover purpose. We want to discover and find out what it is that our gifts are. We want to develop them. And then we've got to use our gift. And I'm telling you right now, you've never experienced life until you find what you were created to do. You never have. But not only find it, use it to actually make a difference. You may be tired, you may not have as many hours in the week, but you'll lay your head down at night and you say, I may have problems, but this is a way to live life. Every week we have different people come here before you even wake up on Sundays. We have different people that do different jobs. We have one woman and every other week she comes just to make sure your coffee is brewed to perfection. And that coffee is also organic. You are welcome. And it isn't a task to her. It's a mission. Because she knows that if you're here for the first time, for whatever reason, it just feels comfortable to hold something in your hand. I'm not as nervous anymore. And everybody who loves Jesus loves coffee. Can I get an amen? 
If you don't, we're praying for you. We want you to be addicted. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Every other week, we have a young girl named Daria who comes to this church early in the morning who's fighting the greatest fight of her life right now, battling a life-threatening cancer. She comes to a booth that's just behind you. She's seated there right now. And she runs the slides so that you can read the scripture as I preach. She's ducking behind the monitor as I speak, literally. (laughs) She makes sure that they hit. As you sing the words of the song that none of us remember, she puts them on the screen. Why? Because she's really good with the keyboard? No, because she knows that if you maybe see a verse that unpacks God's plan for you, maybe it'll unlock God's prayers for you. She's fighting the greatest fight of her life, but she lays down at night feeling fulfilled. We have over... 100, I think 125 or 30 of you doing this every week, every other week, second service, first service. Why? Because God's given us a variety of spiritual gifts. And something changes when we come together for that. In the last two weeks alone, nearly 30 people have said yes to Jesus in this gym because of selfless people like that. Come on, let's give a hand clap. Look at what Hebrews 6 says. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have, look at that, helped his people and continue to help them. You know what God considers the ultimate expression of worship? It's not you at home on your couch with some worship music on and a Bible. It's not even just singing extremely loud on a Sunday morning. The greatest expression of worship is when I express love to others on his behalf. We're going to talk about this next week. My purpose is to serve God by serving others. Hey, look at me. Don't stay in step two. Let's work on the things on the inside and begin to discover why I'm here so that I can make a difference. I want to pray for you. For those of you that may be struggling with insecurity, like I do, or diversions, like I have. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving. Just a few more minutes, nobody leaving yet. God, I just pray for those that are here today that are struggling with these insecurities, feeling like I am the summation of my past. That the muck and the mire is all I know and it's all I will ever know and I can never be anything better. But God, I speak life right now. Because that's not how you see us. In your eyes, God, regardless of our past, we are a masterpiece. So God, today I speak to the people who walked in feeling hopeless, discouraged, and frustrated. And I pray, God, right now, that we can begin to pursue your purpose on our life, regardless of our limitations, experiencing the fullness that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody moving. I want to just take a moment before we go any further to talk to some of you today who are like, you know what, this sounds right, but I need to start 
a relationship with Jesus. It's free. And it's the easiest step. It's step one. And God wants this for you more than anything else. And you don't have to get cleaned up to get to God. God's right here waiting, leaning in. All you have to do is say a simple phrase, just Jesus, I give you my life. So why wouldn't you want to start there? Because God wants to pull you out of your current condition. And some of you in this room need to make a recommitment to say, God, I'm giving you my life. If you're here and you have never made that decision, I don't want to embarrass you, but I I want to pray with you. And if you're here today and you've been running from God and today's the day to come back, I want to pray with you too. If that's you and you're like, man, I just want to start that journey, would you right where you're seated, no one's looking, would you just raise your hand right now? Awesome, thank you. Anyone else? Awesome. I want to pray for us right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, you've never prayed that prayer. Or you want to pray today again for the first time in a long time, just repeat this simple prayer after me. You can pray it in your own heart. You can whisper it, whatever you want to do. Just say, God, I know that you love me. I struggle with inferiority and diversions. But God, that's not what I want for my life. I want something better for my life. I want to know you. Just say, Jesus, would you forgive me? And just make this statement your own. It's so simple. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.